If you're like me, you don't always have time to sit down and read news articles. And it would be great if someone could read it to you in like, you know, a natural human voice and not sound like a robot. Well, there's Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles from the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. So you don't have to sit there and scroll. You just get to listen, and it's great as you drive down the road or, you know, you're doing chores or whatnot. They also have podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from, well, over 40 countries. Guess what? Our podcast, The Better Utopia, it's on there too. Download and use Newsly for free now from the website www.newsly.me or go to the link in the description. If you use the promo code UTOPIA, U-T-0-P-1-A, you can get one month free premium. That's one month free. This is A Better Utopia, an audiobook podcast written and produced by Counterculture Rebellion, read by the author. Dedication. This chapter is dedicated to my brother, Zach. Brother, thank you so much for all the wonderful adventures that you shared with me. From the time that we decided to see what would happen if we pulled the car's emergency brake on a slick road, to the time we went streaking, or really any of the other crazy things we did. Also, thank you for being the best big brother I could have ever had. Thank you for holding me up during my darkest times and being there when I needed you most. The group tracks through a thick forest in search of Hannah. Miller is revealed to be a utopian and threatens to kill the group till Finnegan reacts. The monster, known as Victoria, leads the group to Hannah, her sister. The house had clearly seen better days. It was a dingy, dirty color, with rotten siding barely clinging to the skeleton of the home. Whatever had been painted was a mystery that was clearly lost on time long ago. It was modest in size, not small, not large, and an iron fence that ran around it was missing several panels. A huge gate that had an old sign above it that read, Madame Paradise. Scattered all over the lawn were broken signs. Some of them smashed the bits, and others you could make out what they said. Things like danger, do not enter lapis, or turn back and take Route 43 were common. Jacob broke the suffocating silence. So, you took the signs? It had been an hour since we began our trip to the house of the creature. We tried several times to get the monster known as Victoria to tell us more, but she simply would laugh and say it was none of our business. Then the rest of the trip was spent in, well, quiet fear and worry that we were, I don't know, being led into some sort of ambush. Luckily, none came. Yes, I did, 
She gave her patent a crazy laugh that we'd heard so many times already. I needed someone to take my sister out of this doomed village. Then why tell us to leave? She turned around and gave Jacob a hungry look. You only get so many questions before I become annoyed and drink one of you. So choose your questions wisely. She stepped on the battered wooden porch that had mostly been torn up and gave the air a hard sniff. Good. Brother is away hunting. I will give you my Hannah, and you will leave immediately. She pointed a pale, chapped hand towards the trees where an old path hid next to a giant ash pile. That path will lead you to the pole station, and more importantly, to your group. Do not return to the town, or you will die with them. I kept my hand on my saber as I spoke, in case my question was the one that she decided was enough. What's going to happen to the town? (sighs) You think you would have learned that you are not quick enough, Victoria smiled. I like you. You're brave, if not a bit stupid. You would have been good for my Hannah had, well, you not been so interested in the other woman. I could see out of the corner of my eye Jacob's glare. It seemed he had been reminded of the kiss Rebecca had gave me and decided he had time to entertain anger, even though the situation we were in was life or death. Victoria saw as well and laughed a deep, unsettling laugh. <laughs> the protective brother disapproves. She then turned to the door and opened it. Enough. Come, come. We do not have much time, and I'm beginning to get hungry. So you best take my Hannah and go before my hunger overwhelms my better judgment. The inside of the house was, well, not any better. It looked as rough on the outside as it did on the inside. The smell of dust, rotten wood, and a slight hint of blood filled the air. All the walls had either been torn down or, well, fell down. Only the ones that were bearing any sort of weight on the roof had been poorly maintained. The floor was a mess of rotten floorboards, dirt, scattered bones, some of animal, some of human. In the back right corner was a makeshift cage made from the fence panels that we had seen from outside. There in the cage, on a bed, sat a blonde-haired woman who cried softly. Hannah? Jacob rushed over to the edge of the cage. You guys are alive? Hannah jumped off the bed and rushed over the bars. I I thought you were all dead after what happened. You guys... uh, Has father... Is he alive? Your father is alive and he wants you home, Jacob said, mustering all the comfort in his voice that he could. No, absolutely not, Victoria growled. Why? I've done all you've asked. I built this cage of cold rolled iron. I sealed it up inside and waited for your return. Now I can't even see our father? Hannah half yelled, half sobbed. Victoria's voice, well, it came out more like a growl. That monster is not my father. Only yours. We only share the same mother. He's he's not a monster. You are. Oh, am I? The very thing that has looked over you since, well, before you could write your own name. 
watched you grow, and made sure that beast you call father kept to his duty and raised you properly till he outlived his usefulness. Victoria moved closer to the bars but stayed an arm's length away. Why do you hate him? He's a good man. Do good men cover up their mistakes by burning them at the stake? Hmm. He accused our mother of blood magic, all to cover up with him sleeping with a prostitute. That's how you were conceived. She told him, better take care of you or else she would tell everyone you were his. That would have been bad for your dear old dad and his political ambitions. The news of this struck a deep blow in the heart of Hannah. It was as if an invisible fist had struck her and she had stumbled back and fell on the bed. Her face was white with shock and as she stared down at the floor she quietly said, That can't be true. Why? Why would he do that? Victoria softened her tone. She must have seen that her words were, well, doing something to her sister. The truth was more harsh than a swipe of her claws, and for a split second, she looked almost human. She looked as though she fit the role of big sister perfectly. (sighs) He wanted to be mayor, and it's hard to be elected if you get a whore pregnant. So, he spun a well-thought-out tale of blood magic... The men of the town were willing to go on with it, not because they truly believed, but because they wanted to cover up their own sins with this whorehouse. Most of the women who worked here had fled, except for three. Mother could not, because she was in labor with you, and the other two stayed to give her aid. All three were burned alive at the stake only moments after you entered this world. Your father adopted you that day. I don't know, maybe he did it for political reasons, or... (sighs) Because you're his blood. Then, if he's my blood, leave him be, please, for me. If you truly care about me, you'll leave this place in town. You guys have punished us enough. The town has surely paid for our sins by now. Tears streaked the dirty face of Hannah. She dragged an arm underneath her nose and stood. I'll leave with you. We'll, we'll find a way to reverse this curse you have. Victoria smiled, and the look of, well, all humanity she had before quickly vanished. You think I'm cursed? Ha! <laughs> no, I'm gifted. They accused mother of blood magic and killed her for it. So we drank the blood of the very men who did this. It gave us our gifts, not cursed us. It gave us the resolve to... Seek justice, the ability to grab it. And as far as this town paid for its sins? No, not until the very man is responsible and pays as the whole town watches. If you can't see that, then maybe you're as bad as them. Maybe you're as bad as him and deserve to be treated as such. Victoria flew into a rage and charged the cage Hannah was in. The moment her hand slashed at the bar, it sizzled, and the smell of burnt flesh filled the room. Victoria winced in pain and screamed. She then turned to face us and lunged the non-burnt hand, reaching out, face locked in a terrible rage. Before we could react, she smacked into us and made us all fly across the room like bowling pins that had just been hit by a bowling ball. 
I felt the air leave my body as I collided with the wall and fell to the floor. Then the monster known as Victoria jumped upon top of me, screaming as her claws and hands slashed down upon me. It's a gift! It's a gift! A, a gift I'll use to bring forth justice! You'll see! You'll all pay! I have power now! They are at my mercy! You are at my mercy! I placed my arms up to try to shield the blows from my body, her strikes cutting my forearms up. In the background, I could hear Hannah yell at her sister to stop, but Victoria kept rambling on and striking me. She then stopped, and I saw her face in a twisted smile as she looked at me. Her eyes, though, red in color, now had dark tears streaming down them as she stared. Face was locked in gratification, but the eyes were fixed in a look of sorrow. It didn't match. I'm doing justice. Don't you see? Victoria, please, Hannah cried. Please, this isn't right. Victoria turned her head and spat at her sister. What's not right is what happened to us. They left brother and I for dead in the forest. She raised another claw hand to bear down upon me. They... Then the air filled with a loud, ear-splitting, body-shaking crack, as if lightning had been released in this very room. I looked to find where the cause of the sound came from. Rodriguez was holding Miller's pistol and had just fired around into Victoria's direction. Victoria, who was more occupied beating me and yelling at her sister, did not notice him until it was far too late. She shifted her body, though, just barely in the nick of time from the shot hitting her heart, but it struck her shoulder in the meaty sick thump. Her body went rigid, and she screamed in pain. Dark veins began to flow from the point of impact, spreading all over her body, and the wound sizzled and hissed. Rodriguez pulled the trigger again, just barely missing her, as she left off of me and clung to the roof like some deranged spider. She then screamed again and fell from the spot she had just clung to as Rodriguez let out two more shots that cracked into the wood. Victoria pushed herself up sluggishly, then bolted for the door, and Rodriguez fired one more shot as she left, shrieking, striking the burnt hand and blowing off a few of her fingers that now rolled into the vacant doorway. With my ears screaming, I barely heard Rodriguez say, Rev, Rev, you all right? I looked down at my bleeding arms. I, I need a cloth to wrap these cuts up. Seeing the blood made my head feel light and funny. I had to fight to stay sitting up in the room as it spun. Finnegan this time swore. In fact, it was the first time I ever heard the man swore. He looked at my arms. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll cut off my overshirt. We can use that. Oh, thanks, Finn. It's, it's not as bad as it looks. I... I tried to give him a reassuring smile, but maybe it looked more like a grimace. Or maybe it looked like I was about to throw up. Uh, if you say so, uh, we'll get you back to the group, um, and and Ruby will look at it. Finnegan wrapped my cuts and looked over at Rodriguez. What should we do next? For his cuts or about the town? Uh, both. <sighs> his cuts ain't too bad. I think the shirt will have to do for now. As far as the town, hell, I, I don't know. Please help us, Hannah cried. Rodriguez groaned. Listen, nobody stands a chance against those things, not even a well-crypt army. 
What do you expect us to do? Shoot it with that gun. Hannah's trembling hand pointed at the still-smoking revolver in Rodriguez's palm. I've only got one shot left, and that thing moved fast. I'm lucky to have hit it once. Yeah, but did you see the bullet create some sort of effect on my sister? It slowed her down. You can use that on the big one and kill it. What is it? What is it loaded with anyway? Rodriguez snapped back. Cold rolled iron. Shot. Okay? And like I said, I only got one shot left. This fence is cold rolled iron. Can you use it to make bullets? You see any tools in here? Rodriguez looked around the room sarcastically, as if the tools would fall from the mere sky. Jacob pushed himself off the ground. I'm... I'm not as powerful as my sister, but I can weave a few, and we could fashion maybe some spears as well. <sighs> Fine, but someone's got to take Reverend back to the group, get him patched up. Hannah, why don't you? I'm not going anywhere but to that town with you, Mr. Broken Wrist. I hopped up onto my feet, dusted off my pants in a show of readiness. Besides, I'm fit as a fiddle. Although the room was still spinning, it spent just a little slower now. I'm going to get my sister. I think there's still hope for her. Hannah opened the door to her cage and walked out. Rodriguez protested. Are you crazy? She just about killed us. She would have killed you if not for that cage. But before that, she seemed, well, I don't know, human. Before my words set her off, I think she knows deep down inside she's wrong and she's fighting it within herself. She's right. I spoke up. She had a look of, I don't know, sorrow in her eyes when she was on top of me. Oh, you mean when she was on top of you trying to dice you up? Rodriguez threw his hands in the air. Whatever, it's your life to lose, Hannah. Just not like we, you know, we're chasing through the forest trying to find you or anything. Jacob was able to pinch the bars and make 12 small balls of shot by rolling the metal in his hands. His skin had the same paste color his sister did from when she moved the tractor, and his eyes that were, well, a gray-blue became more gray than blue. But he was able to complete the task with only breaking a small sweat. He then pulled the metal rungs off and sharpened the iron into points. Here, everyone, take two shots and one spear. If I try to do anything more, I'll drain myself too much to really be able to help anyone fight. Hey, what about my stuff? Hannah protested after Jacob passed everything out. I made you this knife. Well, it's more of a poking stick, but it'll work if you have to defend yourself. I just thought you trying to save your sister, it probably would help you not carrying a spear and pissing her off a little more than she already is. Hannah grabbed the knife from Jacob and gave him a small little smile. Her hand lingered on his a bit longer than it needed be. If I was not mistaken, there seemed to be some sort of spark between them, but the moment passed and they both looked awkwardly away from each other. Rodriguez walked up to me and whispered, Riv, you sure you're good to go? I am. Let's go in this thing. Hey guys, another shameless plug here. But instead of asking you to do a five-star review or share on social media, well, I still hope you do those things. But go check out 
the Conservative Nerd Podcast. Um, I had the honor and the privilege to go and talk with him about stuff like faith, uh, conservatism, um, oh, and yeah, aliens. Yeah, we talked about aliens. It was pretty fun. Um, I had a great time, and I hope you guys would have a good time listening, too. We made good time as we followed Hannah back. She knew a shortcut that cut our travel time to a third of what it took to get out here. Out of all of us, she pushed the hardest, and most of us just barely kept up with her. The town was a blanket of black, no lights in the windows of homes. The inn itself was blank and hollow. The only source of light was the moon, and the biggest house in the town completely engulfed in flames. There, around the now-burning mayor's mansion, the townspeople gathered. Men and women clung to small, crying children, and an evil-looking giant with red eyes stared down at them, licking his non-existing lips. Next to the hungry giant was Victoria. She looked worse than before. The dark veins had spread up into her face. She yelled and whipped her hands in the air, flinging dark droplets from her missing fingers everywhere. Where is he? Victoria screeched and hacked. Bring me the mayor, or the deal is off. I was being nice. I said, gather the town, bring me the mayor, and no one else will die again. We will leave, but no mayor, no deal. Now where is he? Blood. The giant gargantuan moaned. Felix, hold on, you can eat the mayor. Blood. The giant moaned again. This time he pointed a bone claw at the mother who was holding a small weeping child. An older man in his elderly years called out, Why should we even believe you will keep your word? A small group muttered in agreement with him. Shut up, you. Have I eaten anyone yet? Victoria coughed and hacked, then spat out something dark on the ground. No, Felix. You only get to eat the mayor today. What are you doing? Hannah called out. We had pushed through the crowd, but Hannah by far was the most aggressive getting to the front. She was only feet away from her sister as she called out. The rest of us not much further behind her, but maintaining a tactical distance from the beast known as Felix. Oh, it's you. Victoria gave Hannah a stare of hate that burned so intense that she may catch fire like the house behind them. Why don't you just stop and leave? We have been through this, dear sister. Upon hearing this, the crowd gasped. Victoria let out a wicked laugh that was interrupted by another coughing fit. Oh, wow. <coughs> How delicious. Let me tell you, good people of Lapis, a tale of tales. It involves my mother, the whore, the mayor, and of course, his sweet daughter, Hannah. Again, the crowd gasped. Even the crying children had stopped to hear. That's enough. I'm here. Leave my daughter alone and the townspeople alone. Mayor Griswold's figure slowly appeared into the light. Victoria's smile grew as her eyes focused on the mayor. She laughed a low, fake laugh. 
<laughs> so good of you to finally show. The giant of the monster beside Victoria growled. Blood. Not yet, Felix. You will get your feast soon. But let me have my moment. She patted the beast's leg, then stepped forward as if she was an actress on a stage. She then tried to clear her throat, but it turned more into a coughing fit. <clears throat> this town and this man have... No one cares about your sob stories or your lies. The mayor shouted out, his one fist in the air shaking and his other hand digging into his coat. Shut up. I will have my moment. This man and this town... Blood! Blood! The beast cried out, each time more aggressively. Shut up, Felix! All you think about is food. Let me have my moment. This town and this man are responsible for my mother's death. I have the proof right here. Victoria pulled out a small letter from her cloak as she stepped into the front of her brother. It threatens my mother to keep her mouth shut or else. And it is signed by Jonathan Griswold. See? I told you, no one cares about your lies and your fake leathers. The mayor pulled out a revolver from his coat and cocked it. Do you think a mere bullet will stop me? Now shut up, you. Oh, it's not just some mere bullet. It's cold rolled iron. The mayor smiled a smile that was as evil as Victoria. The revolver in his hand bucked and then spat fire and thunder into the air. Hannah screamed and tackled her sister onto the cobblestone road. The bullet whizzed over them and sailed past, striking the monster known as Felix in the leg. Almost instantly, the monster howled in pain as he dug into the bone and flesh, his leg now hissing and producing smoke. Now's our time to strike. I drew my revolver that Rodriguez had lent me and pulled the hammer back till I heard the soft metallic click of it locking. Then the group as a whole, who must have done the same, let out a volley of shots at the beast. Some smacked into its torso, a few into its leg, each one causing the same smoking, sizzling holes to form. The monster howled in rage and shifted his focus from the mayor to our little group of fighters. He took a large step over his sister and began charging at us like a bull after the color red. With one fast swipe of his right hand, he backhanded the mayor who went flying and knocked the revolver out of his hand. With his left hand, he reached out to snag one of us. We did our best to dive out of the way, but it's hard to dodge a speeding steam truck that's only a few yards in front of you. We did manage to evade the stampy claws of the hand, but he plowed through us and sent us all flying but myself. I rolled just in time to miss the hit. I readied my spear, knowing that I had no more iron shot left, and this was my only effective weapon against this beast. The monster skid to a stop and looked at me. The gun shot holes in its body, smoked and sizzled as black ooze from its wounds continued to pour. He ripped a small piece of flesh from his body that had been sizzling and threw it to the ground. His elongated jaws growled and called out, Blood! It then broke into a run, not as fast as before, but still only leaving me seconds to form some sort of plan. The iron was affecting the beast, but not enough to make it a fair fight. I could try to dodge out of the way again and give the iron more time to wear on him. Yet, 
Dodging this beast may prove to be a mistake. As if I timed this too early, he would correct his course and destroy me. And if I was too late, well, they'd have to scrape me off the road in order to put me into a casket. I grasped the spear as tight as I could and aimed the tip at my best guess the heart would be. Then I saw stars and felt the feeling of air beneath my body, the cold, hard, unforgiving ground. The air left my lungs as I smacked into the floor and gasped. I sat up, head spitting, and looking to see what had striked me, or even where the hell I was. As my worldview began to settle, my eyes focused on the beast 30 yards away. Red, pupilless eyes seemed to stare in my direction, and a foul black tongue licked over Lip's mouth. I had to get up. I had to move, or I was going to be its next meal. A yell filled the space surrounding my ears as a tall, freckled-faced, red-haired man came charging with an iron spear. A look painted on his face that was a mix of fury and desperation as he ran to the beast, spear locked tightly in his hands. The beast looked confused, well, as confused as a rotting corpse could, and turned its gaze from me to the direction of Finnegan. Caught off guard, it lacked the time and the finesse and of course the speed to get out of the way of the iron tip that now sunk deep into the leg and into the ground, pinning the decomposing flesh to where it stood. This time, not so much a roar, but a scream of pain left the mouth of the monster. He clawed at it and tried to pull it out, but the pain of the sizzling iron connecting with his hand was too much. Finnegan tried to back up, but a fist struck him with such force in the head that the man shuddered and spun to the ground. I pushed myself up with my newfound adrenaline. I saw to my right Rodriguez and Jacob. Rodriguez sporting a broken, bleeding nose, and Jacob limped every time he stepped on his right leg. The both had spears pointing in the direction of the foul beast. My eyes then moved from them to the ground, and I scanned, hoping to find my own spear. I heard the cry of my friends as the beast swatted at them. Jacob was jabbing at the monster, covering Rodriguez as he ran past the monster and checked Finnegan for a pulse. I saw relief flood Rodriguez's face as he pressed his fingers on the unconscious man's neck. Then my eyes darted by Jacob, who was now clutched tightly by the bone-clawed hand and was lifted off the ground by his foot. I heard Jacob scream and saw blood now flowing from the clutched ankle down to the ground by the iron spear. I pushed my body forward, even though all my nerve endings screamed at me. I rolled under a swinging fist of the monster and placed my hands on that cold, rolled iron spear and thrusted it into the monster's now exposed chest. Instantly, the beast shuddered as I drove the spear into it deeper and deeper still with all my might I pushed. It let go of Jacob, who fell to the ground in a crumble. I could hear a woman yelling, shouting some kind of command. I looked over and saw Hannah dragging a limp Jacob away. Shifting my focus caused me not to see the claws swipe at me and strike my side, causing warm blood to run down my ribs and spinning me to the ground. Then the beast used Jacobless claws to reach the exposed and defenseless Hannah. It swiped down with all of its might and let out a fearsome, hatred-filled roar. It would have been the end of Hannah. It should have caused her to be nothing recognizable, but a blur followed in front of Hannah and caught the giant hand. Go, sister. Drop him and leave. Victoria's complexion looked sick and strained. 
not just from holding back her brother, but from whatever disease the iron bullet stuck in her was now causing. I won't leave him. I won't, Hannah called back, still pulling Jacob away from the mess. Victoria looked up at her brother and groaned. No, brother, we do not hurt family. It roared back. No family. Blood. Listen to me. Go back to the woods. Now, please. No. Blood. Then the other fists crashed into Victoria's side and sent her flying away like a rag doll. It lunged at Hannah, but its foot was still stuck to the ground. Giving it up, turned and looked at me hungrily. Then its claws wrapped around my bleeding body and lifted me up. I tried to think, but my head was fuzzy and slow from the loss of blood. The only thought that broke its way to the surface of my conscience was this. This is it. I'm dead. This is how I die. Then I looked over and I saw Rodriguez still kneeling by Finnegan's unconscious body. His face was blank and white. His eyes, well, they were staring into a vast nothing a thousand yards away. His mind was not here, but it was back in Volgard, staring at a beast who was, well, no longer here either, that clutched a body who was no longer alive. A man whose dog tags read, Private First Class, Miguel J. Rodriguez. Victor Rodriguez, well, he was relieved on his younger brother's death that happened years ago, all while frozen here to the ground in Lapis. This has been A Better Utopia, Chapter 9, The Day of Reckoning, written and produced by Counterculture Rebellion. The next episode will be a special. We are actually about to enter into the season finale. The season finale will be a little different than normal. It'll be written in the third person form, and it'll be more of a flashback that will lead to conclusion of this arc. More than likely, it's going to be anywhere from two to three episodes, so it's going to be like a two-parter or a three-parter. Thanks again for listening. Contact us at Better Utopia's Facebook page. You can also check us out on Reddit at A Better Utopia.